Welcome, everyone, to the Veterans News Hour with David Corey and Richard Hurley, a national news and talk program dedicated to military veterans issues. And now, your hosts, David Corey and Richard Hurley. Good evening. Welcome to the Veterans News Hour. Monday, April the 4th, 2022. This is Air Force veteran David Corey, along with my co-host, Richard Hurley. Thanks for being with us. We have lots of news and information for veterans and their families, so stay tuned. Let's go over to Rick Hurley. How are you, Rick? I'm doing well, David. Uh, How are you doing, and how's everybody out there? It was a beautiful day here in in Florida. I got out with uh, some old classmates and played in a... uh, and a, and a golf outing to honor uh, called the Father Hardnett, big uh, Father Hardnett outing here in the Tampa Bay area. Father Hardnett was an English teacher. I had a Jesuit high school back in 1973, and David, I, I don't know if you had Father Hardnett or not. Yeah, I did. Yeah, and uh, Father Hardnett was a big one on collecting money for the missions. and So this tournament's been, I think it's the oldest tournament in the Tampa Bay area. Uh, it raises money for scholarships and everything else for the kids who attend Jesuit High School. So it was a nice day, nice day hanging out with some of my classmates, and they all want to be uh, remembered to you, David. I don't know if our listeners are aware of it, but David and I both attended Jesuit together from 73 to 77. So um, anyway, yeah, we got some a lot of news coming up here and a lot of things to talk about. And uh, I want to first remind everybody that this is a uh, call-in show. We really want your comments and your questions about what's going on in your world, your VA world. What's going on with maybe you got a claim pending before the VA? Maybe uh, you got uh, you're on appeal before the Board of Veteran Appeals. Uh, you know, it's very tricky these days, and it requires a lot of calculation and and uh, work to make sure you get your claim process properly and uh, get it prepared for the Board of Veteran Appeals. So if you're at either one of those stages and you want to talk to David and myself, please give us a call. That number is one 627 Again, that number is a toll-free call-in number. It's one 627 As David said, this is the Veterans News Hour. So veterans, this is your show. This is your opportunity to uh, communicate with us and Communicate with other veterans around the world, around the, world, around the country. Uh, you know, every time you veterans speak out about what's going on in your particular situation, uh, it may help another veteran. And uh, you know, that's that's really important. You know, that we all help each other and help. Uh, you know, one veteran get, having a, a success during the VA process or the Board of Veteran Appeals definitely helps out another veteran. So please give us a call at one triple eight six two seven six zero zero eight. We'll try to remember to give that number out sometime during the show. At this point, I'm going to send it back to David. And uh, David, why don't you give us some news? Okay, thanks, Rick. Uh, you know, one thing we cover on the show, and we have over the last uh, five years, <clears throat> trying to keep ahead of where the VA is going as far as their laws and uh, regulations. Uh, and those that have been listening over the last five years know that it's uh, it's never-ending. 
there's continual changes, whether it's Congress passing new laws and or court decisions or the VA enacting regulations based on the power, the very broad power that Congress has uh, given it. And a lot of veterans are concerned about uh, how some of these changes affect them. You know, uh, a few years ago, there was a major overhaul of the claims and appeal process, what they call the Appeals Modernization Act. And uh, that was what I thought, Rick, was kind of a once-in-a-generation change. You know, it was such a massive overhaul that Congress is not likely to do such a major change as far as the procedures for how disability compensation claims and appeals are handled. They may get tweaked with minor improvements here and there, but it was a big change. And, you know, after going through that, <clears throat> it took the VA 18 months to then implement that, and that uh, that went official, and we've now had that for several years, the Appeal Modernization Act, although the VA is still working some legacies, some of the older claims still. But meanwhile, we see continually the VA is um, is updating, changing, the uh, rating criteria using VA regulations. And one thing I want to talk about uh, this evening, and it's, it's, uh, it's particularly timely because there's only two weeks left in uh, the comment period for these proposed regulations. Uh, back on February the 15th, the VA started this process. They announced major changes to the schedule for rating mental disorders, things like depression and anxiety and post-traumatic stress, uh, basically completely overhauling that the rating criteria and, and uh, the numerical rating standards, those sorts of things. The public comment period that's required by law runs out two weeks from today on April the 18th, 2022. And uh, I was on the website, regulations.gov, just the other day, and there were approaching 3,000 comments. From what I could tell, I didn't read them all, but mostly negative, opposing those. Uh, But then the other major change that the VA initiated, also back on February 15th with the April 18th deadline for comments, they're overhauling the rating schedules that affect ear, nose, and throat, and audiological disabilities, as well as respiratory. So there's a lot of conditions that fall under those very broad ones. We don't have time tonight um, to go into uh, all the detail for some of those, but I wanted to touch on a few of these, Rick, because I know they're going to affect a huge percentage of veterans who receive disability compensation. Let me start by with a preface that the VA has said that, um, first of all, the fact these are proposed regulations means they're not final yet. There's this public comment period, which runs until April the 18th, and then after the public comment period, there's going to be a period of time um, that we don't know how long it'll be yet, where the VA will be examining the comments and then deciding whether or not these regulations should uh, be finalized either in the form they've been proposed or maybe with changes or some other combination of things. And then there's always the possibility that some veteran or veteran organizations might challenge these regulations in court um, and uh, 
a lot of things could unfold. Uh, we can't be sure of at this point, but the fact that the VA has initiated those and obviously put a lot of thought into these uh, means the veterans need to be prepared for that. But the other part of the preface is the VA announced with their press release that the mere fact these are proposed, veterans should not be in fear of their current evaluations changing. Now, the next point is, what if they go final, particularly as written? Well, there's, there's, um, there is a regulation already in existence that says when there's changes in regulations, the veterans are already receiving compensation. Their compensation can't be changed simply because the regulations have changed unless there's an improvement in the veteran's disability. And that's a key uh, exception or loophole, you might say, that that I'm wondering, Rick, you know, how aggressive the VA is going to be at looking at whether or not, uh, you know, some of these veterans' conditions <clears throat> have, quote, improved or not, and then uh, take action to uh, to change, probably to reduce their ratings. But we'll see. But I want to uh, bring these proposals to people's attention uh, just in the event that uh, they want to look into it further, and also just to be aware of what, what may be coming down the road uh, to that, and let me just highlight a few, a few. Um... David, before David, Go ahead. before you highlight this, one thing I wanted to point out about that, because I'm 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 watching these. I get reductions, uh, you know, frequently. I'd say, and and we fight them, and and we were able to flip them and get them back up to 100. percent But the one thing I've noticed in these reductions. If I'm not getting a reduction for, let's say, a veteran who's at 50%, and now it's going to be reduced down to 30%. Every once in a while, I get one of those. But most of the ones that I'm getting are veterans who, 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 because of the work that we do, are now going to get to 100%. And then, lo and behold, within a month or so, um, a, a a disability that they've been getting, with, I'm just going to throw out a number, 30% for, that wasn't on appeal, wasn't part of the process that we were involved in. Next thing I know, <clears throat> the veteran's contacting me and telling me that, being his, that claim, that disability is being proposed to go from 30 down to 10, which is now going to reduce his monthly from 3,300 and change down to... Nineteen, eight, whatever it's going to be, at ninety percent. Wow! So, you know, I've had this discussion with a couple of guys who used to work at the VA down in St. Pete about the numbers and how they do their math. And of course, you know, they've got to, you know, give the company line that the VA doesn't intentionally do that kind of stuff. But I got to tell you, you know, I don't believe in coincidences. And when I see this thing happening routinely, you just have to start to wonder if there isn't somebody sitting in the back room with a calculator trying to figure out how to knock these veterans, you know, off the off, off the, the 100% level down to something less. And, and as everyone knows, you know, 90% of, of 100, 90% of someone receiving 3,300, you know, isn't somewhere around 2,700. No, it's about $1,000 less than that, somewhere around eighteen, nineteen hundred. I don't know exactly the math because it depends on dependence. 
again, I don't believe in coincidences, and I don't, I'm, not, I'm not a big conspiracy guy either. But when this, when this routinely happens to our veterans, um, you know, you just have to kind of shrug your shoulders, and, and, and all we can do, David, is, is fight them. And then when you fight them, you know, you, you, knock, you get it back up to the hundreds, but you do have to fight them. And what always concerns me is the veteran who doesn't have an attorney, doesn't have a representative, doesn't have the support behind them to say, hey, don't let that happen to you. you got to, you know, you, you can fight these people. Uh, there are too many veterans who just roll over and let the VA have their will. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there because you veterans, if, if any of this applies to you, make sure you fight it. Don't just, you know, and, and you're going to win, but it's just part of the process and, and you got to get yourself back up to a hundred. All right. Back to you, David. Sorry for the interruption. No, that's great insight, Rick. I appreciate it. Um, <clears throat> let's start with, with the category of mental disorders, because the VA is essentially proposing a, a complete overhaul of the rating criteria for that. Right now, the criteria offers um, different numerical ratings which correspond to money from 0, 10, 30, 50, 70, and 100 for mental disorders. And there are word descriptions in the regulations. They're not terribly detailed, but they're word descriptions to correspond to each one of those. So you might say, what is a zero rating? That, that corresponds to someone that, that has a diagnosis, but, but the symptoms are so mild as to really not have any effect on them socially or occupationally. And then it goes up from there, 10, 30, 50, 70, and 100. 100 someone rated 100% just for a mental disorder like PTSD alone is, is someone, I'll just say, in a, in a layman's term, someone that is really suffering. They are really hurting, and their life is tremendously uh, affected by, by their condition. Uh, but it's rather subjective. I think you'd agree with that, Rick. There, there are, there are uh, word descriptions which are used, but they're subject to interpretation. What the VA is planning on doing now is completely replacing those the existing word descriptions and rating criteria with what they call five domains or categories of, of functioning. They're going to look more at uh, not symptoms per se, but how those symptoms uh, present themselves as far as an impact on someone's functioning in life. So the, the impact on functioning is now going to be the focus in five areas. Those areas the VA calls domains. And those are cognition, interpersonal interactions and relationships, task completion and life activities, navigating environments, and self-care. And the proposed regulation has word descriptions for each of those. And then uh, what, what the VA then says is we're going to look at these five areas of impact, or what they call domains, and then we're going to look at uh, the severity, which basically uh, would be uh, shown in, in two ways, the intensity of the symptoms and then the frequency of the symptoms. Like how bad are the symptoms and then how often are these symptoms flaring up, let's say, or existing or, or demonstrating themselves in the course of a month? And what's the impact in these five areas of someone's life? And then uh, as part of this calculation, 
the VA will look at each one of these five domains that I mentioned, cognition, interpersonal interactions, task completion, navigating environments, and self-care, and then, and then uh, have the, the evaluator, typically a psychologist or psychiatrist, try to match a very, very, in my opinion, subjective word description uh, for the level of, of severity, you know, intensity and frequency of these on, on a rating from zero to four, with four being um, the worst level. And then those then match up to um, a rating formula, which corresponds to now a minimum rating will be 10 instead of zero, 10, 30, 50, 70, and 100. Now, if this is already confusing to you, um, keep in mind that uh, I'm, I'm briefly summarizing uh, about nine pages of three-column, very fine print regulations here. There's a lot to it, but let me cut to a few highlights to, to at least give you what the VA, this is the VA spin. You might find this interesting, Rick. Um, the VA spin on this is that these new criteria using these domains, and I'll quote from the from some of the discussion of this proposal, it says, um, uh, this criteria will generally lead to more generous compensation for veterans than the current rating formula for people that are possibly eligible to be a 70 or 100% rating. So what they're basically suggesting is you have a better chance to get either one of the two higher ratings, a 70 or 100% rating under the new criteria than you would under the existing one. What's my response to that? Only time will tell. Um, my more cynical view is that um, even though it now seems more complicated because they've got these these five domains or areas of life that they analyze for, you know, the, the effect of, of mental condition or disability, but this, the the criteria used to determine the level of impairment is still very subjective. You know what it boils down to, Rick? Terms like mild, moderate, severe, and total with, with very, very brief word descriptions, even less precise than the existing ones. And what's my point with all this? Is it's going to be a field day for examiners. I mean, I think, Rick, you see this like I, like I do, is that... Uh, you can send a, a veteran to two or three different uh, psychologists and get two or three very different evaluations sometimes because the the criteria are rather subjective. And I think that problem is going to continue with this. And uh, uh, there's certainly the possibility that the VA may look very closely at 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 medical records to say to look for evidence of, of improvement and therefore apply these new criteria. And one more thing before I turn it over to Rick for, for your thoughts. Here's an interesting note that they're adding to the rating formula for mental disorder. Rick, let me get your thoughts on this. It says that this is a an instruction to the, to the rating officials. Include any ameliorating effects of medications when evaluating the extent of disability under the general rating formula in this section, what do you think? What do you think uh, might be driving that, or what do you think the effect might be? Ameliorating effects 
There, there, it says to include the ameliorating effect. In other words, we often hear from, from veterans, you know, they go for uh, psychiatric help with the VA, and uh, what's, what are they getting? A lot of pills. You know, certainly the, the, the VA. The, the other day I had a, uh, a hearing, and I had the, the veteran uh, testify to the different uh, medications he was taking. And I'm not sure if the judge was aware of this or not, but when he was done testifying as to his medications, and there were five of them, I think, and I'd obviously been prepared for my next response, was each one of these was basically an antidepressant. And, and the veteran had no idea. I asked him, I said, do you realize that you're taking five different types of medication for antidepressant? And and they're all doing basically the same thing. And he had, he said, no, I had no idea. It's kind of scary. And the judge, the judge, you could see the judge taking notes on that one. But to your point, yeah, the VA loves to push out the, the medications out the door to these veterans. And to, as, as in this one case, this veteran had no idea even what he was taking, but he was told to take them. But there are a lot of non non medicinal treatments for PTSD, for instance, and the VA's National Center for Post Traumatic Stress uh, is is uh, always congratulating itself on how it's on the cutting edge for PTSD treatment. All right, what's interesting? There's a couple interesting points in my view about this wording in the proposed regulation. The wording is include any ameliorating effects of medications when evaluating the extent of disability. What about non-medication treatment? Are are they going to look at that? Shouldn't they be looking at that? Um, you know, is, is, will the VA make a, a a greater effort with this regulation to um, push veterans to be on pills and to punish them if they're not taking the pills? You know, despite maybe some of the side effects of the medications. Who knows? These are some of the issues that. We're going to have to see how things unfold, but it's, and, and we've had many shows where we've talked about the different um, alternative uh, uh, ways of dealing with with PTSD, anxiety, and depression. You know, um, yoga, yoga is one, and then I, you know, we've had uh, some guests on the show that have have some very um, state-of-the-art methods of dealing with PTSD that obviously I, I don't think the VA is going to really be looking at these. Um, I wish they would, but I think you're right. I think they're just going to keep pushing the pills out the door. Yeah, well... But veterans, you know, you need, veterans, you need to be on your guard, you know. Um, taking this medication is, is not good stuff because... You know the side effects from these medications uh, can can uh, be be awful, and 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 some of these medications can can cause other uh, uh, disabilities and, and and medical conditions. You know, uh, affecting your liver and your kidneys. So um, don't just walk into the VA and walk out with a trick or treat bag full of full of medications. And, I think and those, you know, some, you know a, lot, a lot of them, you know, if you've got a pain management uh, doctor, 
or you're seeing someone for pain management, that's a that's a huge person to to spend some time with because that person is supposed to uh, assist you, mean the veteran, in, uh, in, in, t- in taking medication, the proper medication, the proper amounts of the medication uh, to alleviate whatever pain you might be under. Uh, so these are all these are all serious issues that uh, veterans and, and their families. You know, a lot of times uh, you, you get the spouse involved, and, and the spouse is the one who's really monitoring the veteran's intake of, of certain medications. Uh, so spouses, you know, it's very important for you to be involved with um, whatever the VA is pushing out the door for your veteran. Ask questions. And get second opinion. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a serious thing. And um, and like Dave was suggesting before, there's those alternative methods for uh, a lot of disabilities, especially the mental ones. So you don't always have to feel like you have to uh, uh, take the pills that are being offered to you. You want to yeah. get some news here? I got some news with the Military Veterans Advocacy, a premier veterans advocacy group, sent out an email last week publicizing some important bills in Congress that affect many veterans. H.R. 3368, H.R. 5026, H.R. 2269, and S. 657 are all toxic exposure bills authored in consultation with military veterans advocacy. These four bills represent our primary goals for this Congress. H.R. 3368 will provide a presumption of service connection for veterans exposed to certain herbicides while serving on Guam, American Samoa, and Johnston, Johnston Island. We've had a couple of clients, more than a couple of clients, who served on all, all three of those locations. This bill provides a presumption of service connection for diseases associated with exposure to certain herbicide agents to veterans who serve on Guam or American Samoa or in the territorial waters thereof between January 9, 1962 and July 31, 1980 or Johnston Atoll, or a ship that went to Johnston Atoll between January 1st, 72, to September 30th, 1977. Under a presumption of service connection, specific diseases diagnosed in certain veterans are presumed to have been caused by the circumstances of their military service. Healthcare benefits and disability compensation may then be awarded. Additionally, the bill expands eligibility for hospital care medical services and nursing home care of veterans with a disability associated with exposure to certain herbicides during specified times of military service on Guam, American Samoa, or Johnson Atoll. H.R. 5026 will grant federal benefits to veterans who served in or near the Panama Canal Zone, all of whom were potentially exposed to deadly tact- tactical herbicides such as Agent Orange. H.R. 2269 and S657 will modify the presumption of service connection for veterans were exposed to herbicide agents while serving the armed forces in Thailand during the Vietnam era. These bills require the Department of Veteran Affairs to ensure that if it creates a presumption of service connection between the occurrence of a disease and exposure to a herbicide agent while serving in the armed forces between January 9, 1962 and June 30, 1976, on a military base in Thailand, such presumption must, all, must apply to, to exposure to any military base in Thailand regardless of where on the base the veteran was located for, or what military job specialty the veteran performed. I'm sure, David, you can comment on that when I finish here. 
Please contact your member of Congress and centers and help us get support for all four of these very important bills. You can find your representative and two U.S. senators at the website House.gov or Senate.gov. Go to militaryveteransadvocacy.org and click on the Bill of the Week tab at the top of that page where you can click on links to send messages to your representative and two U.S. senators. David, uh, going back, because um, we've had clients who served in, in Thailand, and um, the highlight here is that regard, regardless on where on the base the veteran was located or what military job specialty veteran performed, uh, why don't you tell our listeners why that's so important? Yeah, I, I had a, a, a veteran um, I represented a number of years ago. <clears throat> He's now uh, deceased. He served in Thailand. And uh, first, of the VA disputed that he was uh, he was in Thailand. We were able to prove it because he actually had a photograph of himself uh, on the base that had the name of the base behind him. You know, taken in 1960s when he was there. <clears throat> but what what the VA has done with the Agent Orange in in Thailand has been um, <clears throat> to to only acknowledge that it was uh, used around the perimeter, and uh, that unless someone's specific duties place them, you know, basically there on the perimeter that they weren't going to uh, concede exposure. And uh, so the purpose of this is to recognize the science of the fact that uh, when they're spraying this herbicide by the, you know, the, by the military's own spraying regulations, that um, the military recognized that, that sort of the spray impact zone uh, was uh, was was measured in hundreds of yards, not just a few feet, so that people were were going to be affected by it, uh, regardless of whether there were security forces working the perimeter or working somewhere else. Um, and I really applaud the work, uh, the organization that you mentioned, Rick, Military Veterans Advocacy. That's John Weld's organization and many other fine people on his on his uh, team there that uh, have really dug into the details. Of um, of this, and uh, you know, their organization, MilitaryVeteransAdvocacy dot org, uh, is a great resource. Their Facebook page also posting a lot of good information on this, and so they're basically trying to get the VA to recognize that uh, that people uh, were exposed far, far more than the narrow area uh, in, uh, in in Thailand. So <clears throat> the um, if you want a lot of good details, and and I'm not saying this just for for ivory tower knowledge, but I'm saying it for very practical purposes. If you're a veteran out there, and you've got um, a claim involving Thailand or Guam or some of these other places where the VA has been very strict on the Agent Orange exposure, go to militaryveteransadvocacy.org. Go to their Facebook page, and they've they've posted a lot of good source materials that can help you with your case and of course they're aggressive advocates for the legislation that Rick uh Rick just summarized. Yeah, but go to the go to their website militaryveteransadvocacy.org and uh click on their bill of the week tab which is at the top of that page and it'll bring you to links uh to this legislation. You can type in your name and address which because of your zip code it'll link you to your representative in the house of representatives and your two US senators and you can send them a message of support, so that's uh, that's why this is important and relevant. There's there's no telling what Congress is going to do on some of these things, 
Um, that's why they need to hear from you. So, <clears throat> Rick, if I you know, the, the, the sad thing about I'm, I'm really number one. I'm really happy that you know you've got this these bills that are pending, and like you said, David, we, we don't know what Congress is going to do. And the reality of reality of it is, um, you know, there are so many veterans who this applies to, and so many of these veterans, you know, previously had claims with the VA, and, and they got denied because they were not presumptively connected and weren't able to get the nexus letters uh, to, to successfully uh, prove the case. And now these veterans, you know, so many of them are, are deceased, and now we're getting, hopefully we're going to get this new legislation and get it passed, and which will then give uh, the opportunity for those veterans who, who are still living and have survived this long an opportunity to take advantage of, of uh, the, the new legislation. But it's just sad when you see so many veterans, you know, who've had a situation with bladder cancer and so many conditions, which, you know, all of a sudden, years later, the Congress steps up to the plate and decides to, to service connect when they could have so easily done it years and years and years ago. So, anyway, that's just my two cents, and it's just very disappointing and very sad for these veterans and their families. Back to you, David. Okay, let me uh, let me continue with... Um some of the some of the news I had about these uh, two VA proposals, uh, the, the VA published the proposals on February fifteenth, and the public comment period uh, lasts until uh, two weeks from today, April the eighteenth. If you want to comment, if you want to read the details of of these two proposals, and one deals with mental disorders, and the other one deals with ear, nose, throat, audiological, which is hearing, and then respiratory. Uh, you go to the website, regulations.gov, which is simple enough to remember, regulations.gov, and then in the search engine, you better grab a pen and paper for this because I'm going to give you two, two uh, somewhat long series of numbers. So you can type these in and, and pull up these proposed rules, and then you can actually read the thousands of comments that other people have already posted. For the ear, nose, throat, audiological, and respiratory, you type in the search engine, VA-2022-2022, VBA, for Veterans Benefit Administration, 0009-0001. So I'll give that to you again. Go to regulations.gov and to find the proposed rules for the ear, nose, and throat, and audiological, which includes hearing and tinnitus, and then also respiratory systems, major overhaul of that. Go to regulations.gov and type in on the search engine VA 2022 VBA 0009 0001. And then for the proposal on mental disorders, you type in a very similar number. In the search engine, VA 2022 VBA 0010 001. Again, for the mental disorders, go to regulations.gov, type in VA 2022 
dash BBA dash zero zero ten dash zero 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 one. Now there are other ways uh, to find these simply, and if you get lost in all that, just send me uh, an email. My email address is lawcory one at Verizon.net. Lawcory one at Verizon.net, and my contact information is on our show website. Just send me an email, and I'll send you a copy of these regulations if you're if you're interested in finding out more about it. But real quick, Rick, I, I want to highlight two other changes that are going to affect a lot of veterans, different from the current rules. And uh, the first of these deal with sleep apnea. Sleep apnea has become, just in recent years, uh, a, a, a disability that's received a lot of attention from the VA and the veterans and veteran groups. And uh, it affects a lot of veterans. The challenge I think a lot of veterans face, though, is showing that it's due to their military service as opposed to something else. Uh, but the current rules are rather generous. Um, you can get a 50% disability rating if you're diagnosed with sleep apnea and um, if, if your doctor has um, prescribed as treatment um, a continuous airway pressure machine, a CPAP, or, or another type of, of, uh, of machine similar to that. That's a 50% rating, which is, which is rather generous. <laughs> the VA, I think, has decided that's way too generous, and they want to throw out that rule entirely and replace it with something that doesn't focus on the treatment but focuses on how successful that treatment is. And uh, the, the, the rating criteria will be uh, much stricter. So what I foresee is if this rule becomes uh, final sometime later this year, that um, the VA, you know what I said earlier, Rick, about the VA has said, hey, veterans, don't worry. These proposed rules, even if they've gone final, aren't going to affect you uh, if you've already got a rating unless, and here's the kicker, unless, the medical evidence shows improvement. Well, this is how they're going to show improvement. They're going to take all these sleep apnea cases that are rated at 50%. They're going to go through the records and say, hey, this person's on a CPAP machine or one of these other kind of machines. And they're going to say, well, let's look at what the, let's call them in for an evaluation and uh, see if they've improved. Because now they're looking at not simply whether they're using one of these machines, but how effective that is and then rate it accordingly, and the ratings are going to drop. That's my prediction, Rick. Um, you may not have heard it first here, but you're hearing it. I think that's what we're going to see uh, if these regulations go final. Probably within a year or more, you're going to see these uh, sleep apnea ratings uh, drop dramatically. And the other one, um, and it's going to cost veterans a, a lot of money as far as the disability compensation. Another one which um, will also have a big effect, I think, is going to be tinnitus, which right now is its own, can be its own separate rating. You know, tinnitus is the, the or some people pronounce it as tinnitus, um, but I guess those of us in the South refer to it as tinnitus. It's, uh, it's a 10% rating. That's the max you can get, uh, you know, for buzzing, ringing in the ears. Uh, now the VA is going to throw out that criteria and say, you, you, you can only get a separate 10% for tinnitus if you have service-connected hearing loss that's at zero. In other words, your hearing loss is service-connected, which itself can be an obstacle. 
Um, but it's not severe enough to get even a 10%, but if you've got tinnitus, we'll give you 10% for that. But no longer will you be getting a separate 10% rating. Now, now the VA, uh, I, I, I expect the VA for the, exist, for, the regu- for the veterans that currently have 10% for tinnitus, uh, maybe they're not going to be as aggressive as going after that. But from, the point, from this point forward, or from the point, I should say, if these regulations become final, I think you're going to see the VA... Uh, being um, being pretty aggressive about that because they're gonna they're gonna rate tinnitus based on uh, to the extent that it's associated with some other underlying hearing problem or if not a hearing problem then some other uh, disability which which then has to be service connected like Meniere's disease or residuals or traumatic brain injury or other diseases like uh, cerebral um, arteriosclerosis, vascular neurocognitive disorders, and some other ones that the VA mentions in these proposals. Uh, so it's going to get much more complicated for tinnitus. But again, at the end of the day, um, you know, it's basically a 10% rating. Yes, 10% does matter to a lot of veterans. Uh, but I think what we're going to see a lot more of, in my prediction, is going to be on the sleep apnea, um, but as well as the mental uh, disorders. Anyway, that's... Uh, the highlight that I have uh, for this week, um, the only thing that's constant in life and with the VA is change, and we're seeing more of it. Uh, Rick, your thoughts? Well, I'm always wondered. I always wonder, you know, I mean, I have my own opinions about it, but the, the motivation behind the change, is it is it motivated to, to help our veterans, or is it? motivated to help the VA. And, uh, you know, as, as you were talking there, David, I don't see how this motivation is, is helping our veterans, but it certainly is helping the VA. And it's, and it's not helping the Board of Veteran Appeals because, you know, this is just more of the kick-the-can stuff uh, up to the Board of Veteran Appeals. And, and one of the things I've been noticing, and I've said this a few times on the show, um, the Board is, is becoming overworked again. It's always been overworked, but you're, 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 I'm finding um, that the communication between the Board coordinators and myself has become more difficult. Um, they're not communicating to me as much as they used to over the years. You know, I was able to, uh, once, once the case got docketed at the Board of Veterans Appeals, reach out to someone, one of the coordinators around the country, and, you know, they could usually put, put my client's case on the, on the docket in, you know, two or three months down the road. But now they're, they're not even, now they're not even answering the email. And um, I, I did speak to one coordinator uh, and she told me that uh, they're getting their supervisors are the ones who are kind of um, telling telling these coordinators to slow down on, on scheduling these hearings. And uh, so you know it's it, it's an, it's an impact. Whatever the VA does impacts a long chain, and the chain isn't just involving the veteran; it involves the Board of Veteran Appeals. And as David and I have said many times on this show, the board has been uh, 
generally speaking, the board has been veteran-friendly. You get really good decisions from the board that get kicked back to the VA for further on what they call remand for further development. And, uh, you know, so whenever I see, as David was just highlighting all sorts of changes, you know, all all I see is um, more appeals. You know, VA might take, take advantage of these changes. But veterans, that doesn't mean that you're, you know, you're out of luck here. Uh, just because they want to make these changes doesn't mean that you don't have the right to appeal if you're affected and impacted by those changes. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it just means that you're going to have to appeal. And don't sit back and, and just let them adopt whatever changes that impacts you financially. Um, because, you know, that at the end of the day, they are not necessarily the final word. Back to you, David. Well, I, I completely agree with you, Rick, and I think as far as um, future appeals, just take for as one example the proposed criteria for the mental disorders. If if you were just look at it superficially, you would say, oh, this is a much more complex uh, scheme, if you will, not scheme in a negative sense, but a, a much more complex analysis uh, for how the VA will measure the effect of, let's say, post-traumatic stress or depression or anxiety on a veteran's life, different areas of the veteran's life. It's it's much more complex, um, much more involved analysis at that level. But when then you take it to the next step of what are the specific markers or criteria that the psychologists, psychiatrists will be using for their evaluations. It comes down to, um, as I see it, as I read through this, this you know, the, all the fine print, it comes down to um, basically four or five really undefined words. And those are, for instance, you know, mild, moderate, severe, and total uh, impairment. And they define mild as slight difficulties, moderate as clinically significant difficulties, severe as serious difficulties, and total as profound difficulties. That's 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 essentially your definition. I'm thinking to myself as a lawyer, what what does that mean? How are they possibly? How would the how how is the VA going to um, explain its decision making? How will a psychologist or psychiatrist know which of those to choose. You know, you're going to see things that are all over the place. You're going to see uh, tremendous disparities from one veteran to another, all depending on what a particular um, clinician will sign up to. It's going to be all over the place. It's going to be a mess. That's my prediction, Rick, on these things. And uh, it will appear to be much more sophisticated and quite logical because, Instead of just focusing on the symptoms, they're they're supposed to be focusing on the impact of those symptoms as far as the frequency and the intensity of those symptoms. It's all quite logical. When it comes down to measuring um, the severity, you're left with just four or five undefinable terms. What they mean will be anybody's guess. And uh, veterans are going to be very frustrated. And my guess is, knowing the VA's past track record, 
even though they say these proposed changes will make it easier for someone to get a 70 or 100% rating for, for a mental disorder like PTSD, I think what you're going to see is um, more and more veterans, um, you know, getting maybe a 30 or a 50%. That's my that's my concern. But any event, there's a lot here. Um, and uh, I hope in future weeks we can get the input of uh, different representatives of veteran groups to see what, what, what they think about these and maybe what their strategies are going forward. But a lot of things, you know, Rick, you know, we end up, veterans end up, uh, a lot of veteran advocates, just being reactive to this stuff. So we'll see. Okay, we've just got uh, about five minutes left. Rick, you want to uh, highlight anything else before we yeah. go to closing? Yeah, let's see. Uh, let's see what we've got on here. Um, well, we got uh, this one we can do briefly. Uh, in other news, uh, National Veterans Legal Services Program, NVLSP, Dave and I love to highlight these, this organization. Wants veterans and their families to know that it has a new dedicated Burn Pits Claims Assistance Program, Burn Pits CAP. This program marks a major expansion of the free legal representation that NVLSP has provided to veterans and their survivors over the last 40 years. The Burn Pits CAP will assist veterans exposed to toxic emissions from burn pits while serving overseas by representing them on claims for disability benefits before the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Open-air burn pits located near military bases were commonly used by the U.S. military departments in Southwest Asia to dispose of the sorted waste and other matter. The Department of Defense and the VA agree that the smoke and fumes emitted from these burn pits contain numerous toxic chemicals. Over 240,000 veterans and service members have documented their exposure to the airborne hazards and open burn pit registry. Despite its recognition that burn pits located on numerous military bases emitted toxic chemicals, the VA has thus far denied over 75% of the disability claims based on burn pit exposure. The burn pit claims system program is a natural extension of NVLSP's legal expertise and tenacity in fighting for veterans and their families to ensure they receive the life-changing benefits they need and deserve, said NVLSP Executive Director Paul Wright. NVLSP has a solid record of defending the rights of veterans with chronic illnesses due to their exposure during military service to toxic chemicals. The most significant example is NEMA versus U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs. This is a class action lawsuit brought on behalf of all Vietnam vets and their survivors who have been or would be denied VA benefits for conditions associated with exposure to Agent Orange. In this historic case, the federal court invalidated the VA Agent Orange compensation rule and approved a consent decree requiring VA to pay retroactive disability and death benefits. As a result of the consent decree and for four successful motions for enforcement, VA has been forced to pay over $4.6 billion in VA compensation benefits to Vietnam veterans and their survivors. The NVLSP's work on behalf of the Vietnam veterans exposed to Agent Orange underscores the organization's ability to tackle the burn pits issue, often cited as Agent Orange equivalent to post-9-11 veterans. To learn more about NVLSP burn pits claims assistance program, go to website nvlsp.org. NVLP is also a steadfast advocate for legislation that would grant presumption coverage for veterans with burn pits exposure. So, hooray for NVLSP. Maybe one of the reasons we're seeing the VA cutting back on on these uh, compensation claims is because they got 
had to pay four points in that uh, fashion too. In any event, here we come. We're coming uh, to the end of the show tonight. Once again, I'd like to provide our weekly reminder to veterans and their families about an important VA program called Coaching in the Care. This program helps veterans having difficulty transitioning to home life. Returning home can be a tough adjustment, and loved ones can help. Coaching in the Care offers free coaching to help you help your veterans. Give the program a call at one 888 It's hours on Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Again, the VA's Coaching in the Care number is one 888 in addition, I'd like to once again remind our listeners that if you know a veteran who is suicidal or in a crisis of any kind, the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs has the Veterans Crisis Line to help. Call 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. Many veterans have committed suicide because they did not get the help they needed. Help them get the care they need to cope with their problems. Once again, the Veterans Crisis Line can help. That number is 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. Over to you, David. Thanks, Rick. Well, it's time for us to go for this evening. I'd like to thank each of you for listening to the Veterans News Hour here on BBS Radio's Station One. I'd like to thank our producer at BBS Radio, Mr. Doug Newsom, and we hope that you'll tune in next week, same time and station, which is 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Mountain, and 4 p.m. Pacific Time. BBSRadio.com, Station One, for another edition of the Veterans News Hour. Till then, we hope you stay safe and stay healthy. And have a great week. Good evening. Thank you for listening to the Veterans News Hour with David Corey and Richard Hurley. We hope you found this week's program very informative. Be sure to invite your friends and all the veterans you know to tune in next week when we'll have another great show on Veterans Issues. Meanwhile, you can listen to our other recorded episodes on the Veterans News Hour webpage on bbsradio.com. Thanks again for listening to the Veterans News Hour. <laughs>